Hello, Evangel family. I pray that you are well and you have everything that you need. Before we get into the sermon today, I'd like to share a few details with you. First of all, just a reminder that all Sunday gatherings, midweek activities, and programs are canceled until March 31st in response to the declared state of emergency. Secondly, the staff are continuing to work, but the office is closed to the public, so please contact us via email or phone. Thirdly, we have postponed our annual business meeting, and once we know when we're able to reschedule, we'll let you know. Fourthly, please let us know if you're in need of anything during this time, and we'll do what we can to try and help you out. Fifthly, some of you have been inquiring about giving during this time, and I just want you to know that there are four options for that. The first is you can go to our website, and you'll see a button that says Donate, and if you want to use your credit card, uh, you can donate online to the church, and you'll be receipted immediately by Canada Helps. Secondly, you can mail a check to the church office, and we are checking mail daily, and uh, we can receive your check and process it. Thirdly, you can call Cindy directly and uh, ask her to set up direct monthly withdrawals for you. Fourthly, you can put your tithes uh, aside until you're able to return. Consistent giving throughout this crisis is going to be very important for us as a church, so thank you for your continual uh, giving. And finally, continue to check in on your family, your friends, your neighbors, and other church members to ensure that they're okay and they have what they need. As I reflect on the past two weeks, it's amazing to see how much has changed so quickly. Crowded trains, subways, and buses were taking commuters to work. Grocery stores were packed with people. Thoughts of sporting leagues shutting down were just a possibility. People were still heading out on vacations, on cruises. Churches were still gathering. Places half a world away, like Italy and South Korea, were the ones facing the most challenging of circumstances. Life here was very calm, well, other than the Costco run on toilet paper. Then, a little over a week ago, the dominoes were pushed. Sporting leagues suspended play, schools closed for an extended time, Suggestions for safety became requirements. And today we find ourselves under a declared state of emergency in an attempt to minimize the impact of a pandemic. The world as we know it is slowing to a crawl. Two weeks ago, this is not where we envisioned we would be. We had plans and expectations. But we've been reminded that life is unpredictable. Where we set out to go, how we envision it would be, often turns out different than where we end up. This is certainly not where most of us expected to be or planned to be, but here we are, like it or not. And we are faced with the decision of what to do with this new reality. Do we become consumed in our disappointment and our fear? Do we become obsessed with trying to make sense of it? Asking why? Trying to figure it all out and more importantly, who to blame for it? Or do we accept the fact that life has taken us somewhere we never intended to go? But perhaps there is something that God can do in us and through us during this time that is life-changing for us and for those we encounter. 
I have discovered that the greatest changes in my life, the greatest contribution I have been able to make in this world has come during times when my life turned out different than I wanted. And yet in the midst of that, I let God work through me despite the hardship and disappointment. Today, we are launching a new preaching series leading up to Easter, and I have entitled it Journey to Easter. It will be a short four-week series with stops outside Samaria, in Bethany, and the final two stops located in Jerusalem. At each of these stops, Jesus will reveal important truth about the significance of Easter. Our first stop on the journey to Easter will take place on the border of Samaria. It is here that Jesus will remind us that it is the marginalized, the rejected, the broken, the sick, the helpless that he came to redeem. And he will also demonstrate that God can do miraculous things even though we are in a place we never intended to be on a road we never set out to be on. Our scriptures today are found in the book of Luke. The first couple of verses are in chapter 9, verses 51 to 53. And then the other verses are in chapter 17, 11 to 19. It says this, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. And as he was doing that, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The first thing I want us to look at today is the context. Jesus is en route to Jerusalem. His earthly ministry is winding down, and he knows it. It will end in Jerusalem with the crucifixion. In Luke 9, 51, we are told that he is setting out for Jerusalem and that he sent messengers ahead of him to Samaria to prepare for his arrival there. When the messengers arrived, the people of that particular village expressed that they didn't want Jesus to be there because they were upset that he was en route to Jerusalem. This is an indication of how much the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other in the fact that Jesus was going to Jerusalem. That enough was for them to not want him in their city. When Jesus arrived, he was told about the situation, and so he changed his route. 
he took a detour, traveling instead outside of the villages. And he stayed along the border area as he traveled. Now, Luke doesn't tell us specifically where this particular story takes place. But we know it was off the intended path, and he was passing outside a village along the border area. Suddenly, ten lepers called out to him. Now, this is a unique opportunity for them for two reasons. Number one, Jesus is in Samaria. Jews avoided Samaria because they hated Samaritans. Jesus is a Jew, but he deliberately passed through Samaria. This is reflective of the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of one who came to seek and save the lost, to reach out to the rejected and the ignored. The second reason is he's outside the village. Normally, he would pass through the villages, but the rejection of the villagers pushed Jesus to the outside. The lepers, too, have been rejected and are on the outside. And so again, we see that this is reflective of Jesus' ministry. He can relate to being rejected, being despised, being ignored, and he's ministering to those who've experienced the same. Now, the main character in this story is a leper. Now, this seems contradictory because the text says there were 10 lepers. And that's true. But we'll discover that this encounter is greater than just the healing of leprosy. It's about the salvation mission of Jesus. And since only one leper returns to Jesus in the end to express gratitude and to receive salvation, the main character is the one leper. The second thing I want us to see is the obstacle. The biblical term leprosy is a broader name than our definition of leprosy today. Leprosy in biblical times covered a number of infectious skin diseases. Because leprosy was contagious to protect the others in the communities, lepers would have to live outside of the community. I suppose they needed to self-isolate. It meant that they would not work. They could not earn a living to support their families. They, They could not be with their family. They were rejected by society. Now, they often lived in groups or communities near the town garbage dumps, and they were there because it was an ideal place for them to find foods. Dumps were located outside of villages, towns, and cities, so that's why we find them on the outskirts. Unlike the healthy people, they didn't discriminate whether they were Jews or Samaritans or Gentiles. It was their dreadful disease that brought them together. They were required to stay a prescribed distance away from those who were healthy and cry unclean when, when, uh, when healthy people approached them. There was no cure for leprosy at this time. It resulted in a long, painful death process. For the religious leaders of Jesus' time, healing someone of leprosy was viewed as being as difficult, just as difficult, as raising someone from the dead. In fact, the religious leadership believed that the sign that the Messiah had come would be the healing of leprosy. If someone claimed to be healed of leprosy, they were required to present themselves before the priests for the healing to be confirmed. Leprosy was more than a disease. 
it was a spiritual condition because spirituality and sickness at this point in history were linked together. In the minds of many people in this culture, it was sin that caused sickness. And so because these people had leprosy, it was assumed that they must be sinful and they were not spiritual people. Lepers were labeled, segregated, and written off. They had a debilitating, incurable, contagious disease. No one of significance would ever come to where they were because they were frankly not worth helping. Too great a risk. Finally, we see the resolution. As Jesus was walking a road that he never set out to be on, the ten lepers called out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy, have pity on us. Help us, Jesus. You can do it. We've heard of you. We've heard of your miracles. Help us, Jesus. Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest. They knew what that meant. The only time a leper was permitted to go to the priest was to verify the healing of their leprosy. This was obviously a promise by Jesus that they would be healed from their disease. Taking Jesus at his word, they set off together to find the priest and show themselves. I'd like us to notice there's no indication of any evidence that they are healed of leprosy when they start out to find the priest. They started their journey by faith that Jesus would do what he promised to do. Luke tells us that as they went, while they were on their journey to find the priest, they were cleansed of their leprosy. But the story doesn't end there. In fact, in many ways, it is just the beginning of the story. One of the lepers, a Samaritan, became aware during the journey to the priest that he was healed of his leprosy. And immediately he abandoned his journey to the priest and came back to Jesus. And now not only did he come back, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him for cleansing and healing him. Jesus asked him, weren't there 10 of you? Where are the other nine? Has no one except this foreigner come back to thank me? Jesus is making a statement here. He's not asking a question. All of them were healed, but the least likely, the Samaritan came back to express gratitude. Jesus was rejected by the Samaritans, but then he healed one of them. It's interesting what happens next. Jesus declared to the healed leopard, your faith has made you well. The word that Jesus uses here for well is different than the word he uses for cleansed. Cleansed means healing of leprosy. But the word well here means to be delivered from sin. One Samaritan leper not only experienced physical healing and cleansing, but more importantly, he experienced spiritual healing and salvation. 
He was brought into relationship with God through Jesus. He acknowledged Jesus. He expressed his belief and trust in Jesus. And in the end, he received the greatest healing of all, salvation. All of this took place on the journey to Easter. There are three observations that I would like to draw from in this text today. The first is labels. There are many circumstances and people in this life that will attempt to label us, put us in a category. Categories such as divorced, separated, single parent, unemployed, widow, cancer patient, stupid, ugly, fat, depressed. And we often participate in this by allowing our circumstances and people to define us and label us and impact our lives. And so I want to challenge you today to stop allowing your circumstances to define you, to say who you are, to determine what you are worth. You are not who your circumstances say you are. You are not who the hurtful people in this world say you are. You are who God says you are. He created you. He knew you before you were born. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. God says that you're special, that you have a future, that you're worth it. God says that he's crazy about you. God and God alone gets to define who you are. Not your circumstances, not your pain, not other people, not even you. God and God alone gets to define who you are. Now we must also be careful with how we label others. It's easy to observe the lifestyle, the behavior, the circumstances of another person and label them and categorize them. We see this one as an addict, this one as immoral, this one as sinful, this one as broken beyond repair. Like you, they are not who their circumstances say they are. They are not who anyone in this world says that they are. They are who God says they are. He's the only one who gets to label them just like he's the only one who gets to label you. He created them as well. He knew them before they were born as well. He has a plan and purpose for their lives too. God says they're special. God says they have a future, that they're worth it, and that he's crazy about them. On the journey to Easter, we are reminded that everyone matters. And we must not fall into the trap of labels in our own lives, and we must not fall into the trap of labeling others. Rather, we need to see ourselves and others as Jesus sees us. The second thing I want to talk about is faith. I believe that this passage teaches us a very valuable lesson about faith. The lepers had faith. They took Jesus at his word and started walking towards the priest without evidence that their leprosy was healed. It was when they were walking by faith that Jesus could be trusted that the healing happened to them. They didn't wait to see before they walked. They literally walked by faith, not by sight. The journey to Easter reminds us of the importance 
of stepping out in faith in response to what Jesus is asking us to do, even when there is no evidence that what he has promised to do is taking place. An example might be talking with a family member or a neighbor or a co-worker when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit, when it is the last thing that you feel like doing. It may be doing something you feel prompted to do or giving something you feel prompted to give. Are you willing to step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do? Are you willing to say, I believe what your prom- that your promise is true even if I can't see it yet? Faith. And my third and final point, recalculating. Jesus had a route planned out. His plan was to go to the villages, the towns, the cities of Samaria, but the people rejected him and the plan had to change. As a result, Jesus found himself on a road that he had not set out to be on. The easiest thing for Jesus to have said would be, well, oh well, that's too bad. That could have been good, but this now is, well, it's a lost opportunity. But he didn't do that. He made the most of the opportunity he was given. If Jesus had not been rejected in the village, hear me, if Jesus had not been rejected in the village, he never would have encountered the lepers on the border. My least favorite part of using a GPS or a app, a maps app on my phone is when I hear the words, recalculating, recalculating. When I hear those words, I feel so judged. The voice may as well be saying, you're stupid. You made a mistake. You got off the intended road again, and now I'm going to fix this for you again because I am superior to you. Life is filled with setbacks disappointments, losses, failures, rejection that can take us to places we never intended to go to, down roads we never set out to be on. And when that happens, we have a choice to make. We can give up. We can get overwhelmed. We cannot see any value in what we are doing, we can be disappointed, see it all as loss and pointless. Or we can ask God to take whatever our circumstances are and to use us to make an impact, to make the most of an unintended turn, to position us in places we would never normally be to do something exceptional for the kingdom. Just because something does not go as planned doesn't mean God can't bring good things out of it. In conclusion today, the journey to Easter reminds us that God can use you even though you're on a road you never set out to be on. The journey to Easter reminds us 
that stepping out in faith in response to what Jesus is asking us to do, even when there's no evidence that what he has promised is taking place, is very important for us. The journey to Easter reminds us that we must not fall into the trap of labeling either of ourselves or of others. The journey of Easter reminds us that it is the marginalized, the rejected, the broken, the sick, the helpless, that Jesus came to redeem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who's listening today. And though we can't gather in the same room together, we believe today that your presence is with us wherever we are. We ask for your peace. We ask for your courage. We ask for your wisdom. I pray that you would be with us. You would watch over us. You would protect us and take care of us. You would provide for us. And Lord, we know today that the church is not a building. The church is your people. And even though we are in our homes or in other places right now, we are not able to gather. We are still the church. You still love us and you're caring for us. Meet every need, I pray. Watch over us and remind us of your love. And help us as we make this journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen.